We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Amen. Okay, I'm going to jump into the word because I don't want to keep you here long. Um, this series has been amazing. It really has. You know, every, every time the series comes, we say that, right? This series has been awesome. This series has been amazing. But this one is going in and it's touching stuff in my heart and shifting stuff in my mind. You know when you think you're already good at something and then you hear it and then it makes you have to assess like, I thought I already had that. I thought I was already good with that. And then Pastor Moselle keeps coming up here and dropping these bombs that make me have to look at me different. Yeah. And they're like, am I, I'm doing it, but am I doing it like that? Am I doing it in the way that God needs? So this series has um, been a blessing to me so far, and I get the opportunity to be able to be a part of it. Um, but before I go any further, I want to make sure that I acknowledge the shepherd of our house. Look, I, I want old school for y'all. Y'all don't even know what to do with that. Y'all don't know what to do with that. They don't know. They don't know. I want to make sure that I acknowledge the shepherd of our house, our very own pastor, my husband, my boyfriend, my best friend, Pastor Wanzel Underwood. Listen, I'm going to get y'all right. What it is is, what it is is, church got different over time, and we embraced the new, but we forgot that there were just some things that just kind of is. You know, it's not traditional, it just is. Amen? Okay, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. Scroll with me, turn with me. I got my paper Bible today because I'm extra holy. I won't be swiping today. I got my paper Bible today. I'm super safe, extra holy today. First Kings chapter 17. And where we're going to jump in, let me give you some backstory um, on the scene that we're going to. Um, the prophet Elijah had just gone to... King Ahab and let him know that you're getting ready to go into a drought. There's not going to be any rain. There's not even going to be any dew. There's going to be no hint of water until God says otherwise. So then God sends Elijah, because all of this drought is going on, he sends Elijah to the Caribbean Ravine alongside a brook, and he says that I'm going to send ravens, and they're going to provide for you, and you're going to be able to drink from this brook. Everything else is going into a drought, but I'm going to provide for you over here. I got you. So Elijah's over at the brook, and the ravens are bringing him food each day, and he's drinking from the brook, and the brook dries up, and this is where we're peeking in on this scene. Got it? This is where we're joining in to observe. Now, here's what I ask. I ask that as we read, don't just hear the words on the page. Let's go and visit the scene. Like, picture yourself in, in the scene. Let the words come alive as we're viewing this interaction and engagement, okay? So we'll start at verse 7, chapter 17, verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to, he went to Zarephath, when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. 
As surely as the Lord lives, uh, surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as, I've, as, do as you've said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then take something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. And for the jug and for the jug of flour was never used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the Lord spoke by Elijah. Sounds good. You got a clear understanding of the story where you're able to picture this interaction and engagement. Now, I know many of us have heard this story. We've heard it preached, and usually it's preached about offering, and it's trying to tell you, give, 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 give it in Jesus' name. You know, we've heard the story. Hopefully it sounds familiar to you. But for a moment, can we just go and put our feet in this lady's shoes and really look at what she was doing and dealing with at the time Elijah came? Now, the text tells us she was a woman, and she was a widow. And in that day... A widow is a, is a hard spot to be in because without a husband, you don't have a covering. You don't have anybody providing for you. You're, you're not cared for. You're left uncovered. And the fact that it tells us that she was a widow means that this situation is not a situation she's always been in. It means at one point, I was covered. At one point, I was kept. At one point, I was provided for. And I've gone from that to this. Now I'm in a season, and at the worst possible timing, she is uncovered, unprovided for in a drought. Where there's no water in the land. And you know, I don't know about you, but and maybe some of those who aren't married may feel this with their dads. I know I feel this with my husband. When he comes on the scene, I just feel like everything's okay. Like, I don't have to figure it out because he got it. You know, he shows up and, you know, this is a really bad situation, but he's here, so I'm okay. You know, you, you just kind of get that sense. And even when you're younger, maybe you get that from your dad. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but my dad got it, so I don't have to worry about it. So can you feel how this woman had to have felt? And then it taps on my mommy nature to realize how desperate she had to have been or how hurt she had to have been when she realized, I can't do anything. I cannot change this. I, I, I can't provide for my son. And I'm going to have to sit here. She was gathering sticks to prepare her last meal. I have to take home, make this meal, and wait for death to take us. My heart just went out from the emptiness that this lady had to have had. And then in walks the prophet. And we like to say he just came in and how rude he was and all this kind of stuff. But he comes in and... What's funny is the text lets us know that she was a widow when God sent Elijah. He calls it out that she's a widow when he sent her. So he knew of her lack when he sent him with a need. Sometimes God can be funny. Somebody say God knows. He knew that she was in lack when he sent her with the need to begin with. 
So if I had to give you a point this morning, I had to give you a title, I need for you to understand that sometimes God is going to require you to give when you're empty. Tell your neighbor, give on empty. Sometimes you are going to have to still give on empty. You know, Pastor Wanzel was saying, I'm a six foot, I don't know why I kept saying six foot five. He's clearly 6'6". Six, six. It's written on absolutely everything that he is 6'6". Six, six. But he still wants to just, I don't want to be shorter, but 6'6", 200-pound-plus black man. And sometimes it's inconvenient to be who he is. This is one of those seasons for this woman where being a giver is an inconvenient thing to be. Because God will ask you sometimes and require you and call you to give on empty. Say, give on empty. Give on empty. In 2006, 2006, um, Jordan was like seven, and my husband and I were expecting a baby. Seven years later, we <laughs> expected a baby. And, um, you know, you get that newness excited, you know, that nervous excited that you get. And so you get to the point where, like, you get to the little showing and you're starting to get into little maternity clothes. Like, when people see me, are they going to think I'm pregnant? Are they going to think I'm fat? You know, like one of those, you know, you're in that, that phase. And one night we had to rush to the hospital. And when we got to the hospital and, they, you know, they do the little check, even though I was at the doctor just two weeks before and everything was cool, I get to the doctor and they can't find a heartbeat. And... For those who have ever had to survive that type of loss, it is crushing. I think mainly because it was not something that I could pray myself out of. You know, you think if you can faith your way through it, but this has already happened. And that my faith couldn't undo it. And it was the darkest place I think I have ever been in. And as we are leaving the hospital, because I had to stay overnight, so I didn't get to leave until the next day because they had to do surgery and all that good stuff. And we're leaving the hospital, and then they, they demand that you go out in a wheelchair. So I'm going out in this wheelchair, and I'm thinking, when I rode here, I was so full. And I'm leaving here empty and empty-handed. And it was crushing. So we get out into the parking lot, and as we're walking out, we see um, the daughter of one of our friends coming in. And um, our friend Cheryl and Chuck's daughter is coming into the hospital as we're going out of the hospital. And she's distraught. We can see it on her face. And she lets us know that her mother had just been rushed to the hospital. And this is as we are leaving. Well, shortly after that, we found that Cheryl passed away. She passed away while, we, while I was leaving. Her family was coming, and she passed away. So we get home, and for the next couple of days, you know, grieving is a beast of its own. It truly is. And I was trying to wrap my mind around how I could get okay. Like, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. Um, you don't want to get dressed because all my clothes at that time were maternity clothes, and that's just a reminder of what I don't have. And my mind is just racing. I didn't want to see people. I didn't want to, it, it just was a process. It was a process. And I get a phone call, and it's Cheryl's daughter. And she calls me, and she says, um, you know, uh, Miss Tina, you did my mom's makeup at a marriage seminar, and she looked really, really pretty. And I was just wondering if you would be willing to do her makeup for the funeral this weekend. You know, would you, would you mind doing that? 
And then she goes on to say, like, without even giving me a breather or a chance to answer, she goes on to say, um, the funeral is going to be on Saturday, but we're going to have her wake on Friday, and um, we want to do a night of worship. And um, I was just wondering if you would be able to sing worship at her wake. And I'm thinking to myself as she's talking, I don't know if she understands that it is taking everything in me just to open my eyes in the morning. Like, I don't want to see people. I don't want people to see me. Like, I am broken. I can't, I don't think that she's understanding that. Like, I'm getting to a place where I don't want to breathe. I'm doing everything I can to hold on to my mind. And as my mind is racing, my mouth is saying, well, let me know what time you need me at the funeral home so that I can do her makeup. And um, go ahead and send me the song. Somebody say, give it on empty. Pastor Wenzel said last week that, you know, God will place a demand on what you do and make you be. I have been singing worship for years. I have been creating worship atmospheres in different locations for years. Worshiping was something that I do. But in that moment, God required what I do to become what I be. And I had to be a worshiper in that moment. This is why it is so imperative that as you take this series, see, the series is not about giving. It is not about giving. Giving is due. Pastor Wanzel keeps saying that, but I need for you to grasp that concept. It is not about giving. It is about being a giver. Because when you are a giver, you understand that, God, you will take my broken season and you will still require of me to be who it is that you're calling me to be and who you're calling me to be is a giver. Now, here's the thing. He had the thing up on the screen and it lets you have to give something. And I know at times when you're on empty, you don't feel like there is a something that you can give. And it made me have to come to God and you're like, God, my strength is shattered. It is shattered. I have no strength to give, but I'll pick up these pieces and I will give it to this family in this time because I might not have a lot, but I have something. You still are expected to be able to give something. Somebody say give on empty. You know, um, I, I, I heard Pastor Wanzell when he said that. Like, you know, I have to be able to give something. And, you know, I believe that if in that call, if I had said, you know, um, I can't. Like, you know, I I. I really appreciate you thinking of me to ask, and I wish that I could be able to help you, but I can't. If I had said that, I believe that God would have honored that. I don't think that God would have been mad at me for saying no, because God understood my pain. But he took my pain, and he gave me an opportunity. Somebody say opportunity. You see, if there was a point to write down, I need for you to write down, recognize the opportunity. Recognize the opportunity because giving, I think that that's the part that makes giving one of those iffy things in doing. But when you are a giver, it doesn't always seem like an option because it is just who I am. You're calling upon me to be who I am. You're not calling upon what I do. You're calling on me to be. So when I step in the situation, I don't have to worry about what I can and cannot do because you're not called on what I need to do. You're calling on me and who I am can come to the situation. And I have something that I can contribute because a giver knows I can always give something. When Elijah showed up to the woman, 
If he came acting on the behalf of God, the king of kings, the lord of lords, all provision, you know, the cattle of a thousand hills belongs to him. He shows up on the behalf of God and he didn't show up with the blessing. God could have just brought the flower to the woman. He could have just brought the oil to the woman. But he didn't show up with the blessing. He showed up with the need. And when you are a giver, you recognize or you translate need as opportunity. There is a notification that goes off in your spirit that lets you recognize need as opportunity. And this is why you have to be a giver because when you are not a giver, see, there's a difference. When you can always tell when you're handling somebody who is acting like something and somebody who is something. There's a difference. There's a difference. Because when you are a giver, you recognize need as an opportunity. But when you are not a giver, it is very easy. And listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking those of us who have not yet realized that, oh, I give, but I'm not necessarily a giver. This is the nature we are picking up and learning every day. Amen? But when you are not a giver, when that is not your DNA, when that is not your default setting, when you hear need, you can easily misidentify the opportunity. It's easy to become offended by the request when you don't hear as a giver. Because it would have been very easy. And I know there were plenty of people like, how dare they ask you? At a time like this, they care more about their grieving than they care about your grieving. How dare they ask you? Or how dare this man come to this widow and say, oh, and by the way, make mine first. How dare he? It is very easy to be offended at the need. Very easy. But when you are a giver, you hear with, what is it that I, I can give? There is, there is a part for me in this scenario. There is an action for me in this scenario. But you have to look for and recognize the opportunity. What stuck out for me is when he first asked her for water, she turned to go get it. It said that while she was going to get it, he said, and get me some bread, please. So... The water is something I guess she felt like she could give because she was going to get it, which still says a lot, which points to the fact that she's a giver because they're in the middle of a drought and she is still willing to give. But what happens when you are asked to give what you do not have to offer? And I say that because you need to know your position on that. You need to come up with where you stand with that. Why? Because it's coming. And you need to establish now, what is my position on when I am asked to give what I do not have to offer? Because it's good to hear the message. It's good to just hear this, receive this, like, yes, giver, I'm going to be a giver. But it isn't real till it's tested. And there will come a season, there will come a time when God will pull on what you feel like you do not have. And it is in this season that you need to decide, what is my response for that? Because if you don't know, if you don't have it, if you're not prepared for it, you can easily misidentify the opportunity and handle it poorly. When you are not yet a giver, let me just put it like that. When you are not yet a giver, at request, it is very easy and very common to hear the request. And as you are hearing the request, think of all of the reasons why it cannot be done by you. That's just the truth. Don't feel bad about it. Everybody has that. That, you know, you're asking, and then the first thing you think of is like, oh, I, I got to work. I have 
Okay, how can I do that? I don't have enough. I know they're going to want to. And you can think of all the reasons why it cannot be done by you. Or you can simply hear the request and just be offended that you were requested to do it or give it. We've been in the season, um, and I'm just going to be transparent with y'all because I'm on the stage and why not? I'm just going to hope that y'all still love me and just know that I'm human. But in 20 slash 21, because I'm clumping that whole year, them years together, because 2021 had a lot of 2020 residue in it. And um, God just um, asked a lot. He's asked a lot. He has. I'm going to be honest. And, you know, being a wife, a mom, running a business, being in ministry, and just trying to be a good person in addition. I said, you know, one time I was driving, I was like, God, I think that I have, I'm at capacity. And I hope that you know that I'm doing my best to do what you've trusted me with. But you are stretching me. And I feel like if you stretch me any further, you will break me. And I'm just going to be honest. I know people get real holy and they're real deep and they don't feel like, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt like if you stretch me any further, and I said, God, I'm not complaining. I don't want you to hear this and think that it's a complaint because I know that everything that you trust me with is a blessing. But I am feeling the pain of where you are stretching me. And in true God form, maybe two weeks later, he gave me another assignment. And not a little one. He gave me the assignments, the kind that pull on your very soul and everything that you have left. And it's different when God gives you an assignment with a deadline. But when he gives you an assignment that is until he says different, when you are already given all that you can give, when Pastor Wanzel said he will press what you do into what you be, I had to answer in the moment, God, you have put in me everything that, re that is required for this moment. I can't see it. I don't know that it's there. I can't identify it. But I do know this. If you ask me for it, you've given it to me. God does not ask you to give what he has not already given you. God will not ask of you something that you cannot give. He will not. So when the ask is there. It is because he is pulling out of you what he has already put in you. But let me be honest with you. In most cases, it does not feel good. Giving does not always feel good, especially when you have to give on empty. Look, it is easy when you give on empty to decide, I'm just going to give what I feel like. They're going to take this. And they're going to be grateful for this. I'm going to be honest with y'all. When I had to go back and sing at that funeral, I thought to myself, I'm going how I look and I'm singing how I sing. I'm not worried about it. And, then, and God had to correct me. Because even though people would have understood, that is not your best. You don't just give something because it's just the anything you have. You give at your best. And I think that we have the nature of feeling like because we're giving, people need to appreciate what we gave and just take it. But that is the same mistake that Cain and Abel, with Cain and Abel. And we see how that turned out, now don't we? 
God has an expectation of what you give. And you know, he's the person who knows if you gave your best, even if nobody else does. I might not have it to give. That's when you're, when you're giving on empty, it feels like, because the lady said, she's like, sir, I don't have it. I know that you said that you wanted bread, that's what you needed, but I don't have it. And then he turns around and said, do what you said you're going to do and do it with what you have. I just said that I don't have it. You said give what I do have. She couldn't identify what she had, which is why in those giving seasons when you're giving on empty, you might not recognize that what you have to give, you actually have to give. But let God point out, there is always something. Even if it's in pieces, even if it's in shambles, there is always something. You just have to recognize the opportunity. Say, recognize the opportunity. And I'm getting ready to close. Um, One of the parts of this story that stand out to me and sits with me that I love so much um, is a part that's not even written. Um, this character has very little to no mention in this story. Um, but as I read it, it weighs the most for me. You can stand to your feet. I'm getting ready to close. Um, when the prophet showed up, the woman was collecting sticks because she was going to prepare a last meal because she had done everything that she could do and she was preparing this meal so that her and her son could enjoy this last moment, enjoy this meal and die. But it is very important for you to be a giver because, or, and to be able to give on empty because there's always somebody watching. And what this son can now testify and say is that when we had nothing and when we were at our last and then when it was looking real bad, my mama gave. She was obedient when it seemed like it was inconvenient for us. And you know what? She gave and it got better. Now, we don't know how old the boy is. But he can be able to recognize that there was a time when things were real bad. And even at my mama's worst, she gave. And I'm living the benefits of the sacrifice that she made. So for those who need a third point, is be the example. Because somebody is always watching. And if you can give, if you can serve, if you can sow on empty then you are a testimony that God blesses giving because he is a giver. When you take on that Christ-like nature and you give in your hard times, when you give strength to somebody else that you didn't think you had, when you sow joy that you didn't think that you had to offer, when you give time that you just didn't have to offer, but when you give it and when you sow it, you are a testimony of what giving looks like of what a giver is, and the blessing of a giver. Now, to me, I don't know if that rung out to me as just as a mom. 
But I want my kids and my kids' kids to know that even when you're empty, giving is not what you do, it's who you are. So you are always able to do something, to give something, because it's who you are. Amen? Let us pray. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.